This episode of the Flush Podcast is brought to you by Walton's, Nutrisource Pet Foods, Aluma Trailers, and by Onyx Hunt. Welcome to part two of the Method Dog Training Seminar. Now, before we get into today's episode, I just want to apologize. I have now had the opportunity to go back and listen to last week's show, the first episode in this two-part episode, and I'm disappointed in myself, so I'm apologizing to you all because I missed a lot of the details that I was hoping to draw out from the dog trainers in the first part. I think what ended up happening was we had just such a great day working with dogs and learning out there in the field that uh, by the end of it, I was just mentally exhausted. I had been coming off of just a couple of hours of sleep a long three-hour drive, and then 10 hours in the field in the hot sun, and I was both mentally and physically exhausted, which uh, did not bode well for our conversation because I wanted to get the details out, and instead my mind just wasn't as sharp. I found that I was trying to include all three of the trainers evenly in the show, but we failed to get into what we were working on and what we ultimately saw in the dogs and to pull out those details in this podcast. That was my goal. And I've heard from a few of you this week saying that we missed the point. What were the details? Well, that's what I was hoping to draw out. And that was the goosebumps that we all got to see when we were there in person. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples. Now, over the course of the 10 days that we, or the 10 hours that we spent in the field, we saw dogs at the at the crate in the back of the truck. We worked with dogs on the command lead. We introduced puppies to birds. We introduced puppies to gunfire, worked on uh, puppy development. We went to the training course that has become such a vital part of the method dog training system. Um, And I'll give you a couple of examples of, of how we saw these dogs learn because that's ultimately what we wanted to get to. Uh, We'll go to the crate. I'll start there. Now, Jordan spent quite a bit of time at the crate explaining what was going on in the dog's mind. We had a couple of dogs that he demonstrated on. One was a 12-week-old puppy. Another was a six-year-old dog. And we referenced these, but we, uh, we referenced them in the show on episode one last week, but we didn't really fully explain what Jordan did there. So uh, that's been the question that I've received numerous times this week. Now, we have two dogs that are both very excited, uh, very revved up. They want to come out. Um, but what Jordan did was he slowed everything down to get the dog to think and to ultimately become calm. That dogs are both whimpering, whining, excited, loud, uh, bouncing around in the kennel. Um, and he would open the door. And the dog wanted to come running out. He would close the door. He wasn't slamming the door in the dog's face. He was just closing it, putting the boundaries back on. The dog would then sit back a little bit. He would open it. And the dog would want to come flying out. Now, this repeated itself over and over a few times. After a few uh, times having the door close back on the dog and the dog being forced back into that space, the dog started to think about what was happening. And while the dog was thinking, 
the excitement, the whining, the loudness, that started to go away. Now, this dog that was very wild and wanted to come flying out and run and do whatever it wanted to do now had to think about what was happening. And so ultimately, by repeating this step over and over, Jordan was explaining to us what was going on in the dog's mind. Over the course of a few minutes, he opened the, the door up and the dog just sat there, made no noises, did not try to run out. The dog just sat there. Now he had a calm dog that he could work with. And that was the foundation that he was trying to explain for everything that we were going to do the rest of the day. I'll jump forward to um, the, the course. Now, Sonny has this course that he puts the dogs through. Uh, we've already uh, established dogs that were now under control. Um, we had them on command leads. We worked with them. Again, we, we covered a lot of different things, but I'm giving you these two examples here. Now, we're on the course, and he's leading the dog to these obstacles that the dog has to overcome. By cues on the command lead, he could correct the dog that would want to jump off of a beam instead of walking all the way across it, or a teeter-totter, or a barrel, um, different different mats throughout the yard that were positioned. And the dog had to make the decision. Now, every time he made the wrong decision, there was no vocalization from Sonny or any of the trainers. They just cued the dog to come back around and try again. Eventually, by just communicating with the command lead, which was just a tap to remind them, nope, we're going this way. We've already established the dog is to follow us. Now, the dog is following and gets to the, the beam or the teeter-totter, does not want to go. Every time the dog would jump off, he would just correct it and bring it back around. And eventually the dog would decide to do what we wanted the dog to do or what they wanted the dog to do. And it was simply by the tap, the command to follow, to continue. Failing was okay as long as we continue to try. Quitting was not an option. And Ultimately, these dogs had to make the decisions in their mind to continue to go through, and they would succeed. And when they did, it's like we all were standing there. We just wanted to clap with excitement. Uh, these are just two examples of what we watched over the course of a full day out there. And I apologize again that we didn't really get into the, the crux of it, the details. That's what I wanted to do. But in my desire to get everybody involved in the show, we ultimately miss that. And I apologize for not getting all of those details out. There's so much more that I wish I would have asked now that I have had the chance to go back and listen to the show. And I think it's important to address it. Seeing what we got to witness, everybody there watching these dogs transform in front of our eyes. It's a very difficult thing to explain with words. And I think the best thing I can tell you is if you have the opportunity to see it in person, you'll understand more. And I think they are going to be offering more of these seminars uh, around the Midwest or around the country too. So if the opportunity comes, um, go and, and experience it because I clearly can't do a very good job of describing it. I hope this made a little bit more sense uh, for you. And I hope that when you hear from the, the dog owners that were there, 
on this part two coming up right now that you'll be able to take a little bit more out from what they experience working with their own dogs. That's the goal for part two of the episode. If we missed it, I'm sorry. It was a long day, mentally, physically exhausting. It was a rich day, um, but it was also a day that I wish I could go back now that I've listened to our own conversations because I really wanted everybody to take a lot out of it. I hope you still do. I hope that there's a lot there today that you'll take from this. And the ultimate goal here is to create confident dogs that want to go with you, that ultimately hunt with you and become positive citizens in your family. Here's part two. The Onyx Hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that I take into the field every day, and now that app is available in our vehicles. Yep, Onyx did it. They launched Apple CarPlay. That means when you plug your phone into your vehicle, you now have the option to open up the Onyx app right on the dash of your hunting rig. No more holding your phone while driving, which is obviously dangerous, and you get all of the same layers on your vehicle dash that you get on your phone. You can see the aerial view of your location while driving down the road, just like you'd see if you're using your own maps, apps, Waze, or Google Maps. Except now you can find out if the properties around you are open to the public, the landowner's name that owns the land. And if you're in North Dakota, you can see if that land is posted without even touching your phone. To use this feature, simply make sure your Onyx app is up to date. And if you're not an iPhone user, don't worry. Onyx is currently working on the same platform for Android phones too. Apple CarPlay, the latest incredible feature from Onyx Hunt. Always know where you stand and now where you drive with Onyx Hunt. Welcome back to the Flush Podcast. I'm Travis Frank. I'm your host. Like I mentioned at the headlines of this show, part one was last week, and I encourage you to listen. I hope you've picked up a few things out of it um, or inspired you to think about the mental side of training and working with your dog. We are going to pick up where we left off. George was talking about never making a single cent off of training dogs in 20 years, but he does it because he just loves people. Right, George? Well, I tolerate people, but yeah, I love people. <laughs> I, 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 again, it's not like people are coming to my kennel, right? Yeah. So I'm not running a business, but my friends are running businesses. My friends being Sonny Picars, Jordan Wells. To your right and my right. Correct. Yeah. And, um, and I've helped people at my kennel before or in the past throughout this time, but I've just always got the satisfaction of just helping them understand their dog and trying to help them to get to their goals and what they want, where they want to be. Mm -hmm. And, and I have another job, you know, I'm not a professional dog trainer like Sonny Picars or Jordan Wells. I'd call you a professional though. Well, when but, I'm I mean, you don't it, do it for a living. I don't do it for a living, but I'm, yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you, Travis. So yeah, I just want to throw this in really quick. Mm -hmm. There was one time that Sonny Picars was hosting a seminar, and I think I opened my mouth and said, you, you? know. You? I did. I had an opinion. Can you believe that? I, wow. That's amazing. I may have an opinion about anything. Everything. Just ask me. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Sonny was like, 
in the middle of this thing and we we're kind of having a real world like conversation with the group about because we're all busy and we all have we're not all pro dog trainers and we're we have live we have these these other jobs and then we get to the dog and you only have the time that you can spend with your dog is is the time you're allowed right and, and i remember looking at sunny and go well you know the rest of us have real jobs Ooh. and sunny looked at me like hey dude this is a real job for him and i went i just looked at sunny and was like oh yeah i guess a pro dog trainer is a real job and it's it's, it's the same stresses come the same obligations the same bills are there but i was just thinking of myself like well i work for a for a big farm ranch retailer and that's my job that's where I get paid. Yeah. But I love helping people train their dogs and I and I train my own dogs. And so that comment came out of my mouth. And I'll never forget the look on your face, Sonny P. Cars of like Yeah, I just play for dogs for a living. <laughs> what a what a beautiful job. <laughs> I'm laughing right now. I mean, it was it was I, I just stopped at my tracks and was like well, that was kind of a boneheaded comment. Like Sonny Picars doesn't work his tail off for every dollar he's earning, and and his probably—it's quite an operation. I'm going to jump yeah, in sorry. here, George. It's quite an operation. There are how many dogs here right now, Sonny, at your place? Where's my wife? <laughs> yeah, she just walked in, looking after the dogs. She's out feeding dogs. Yeah. Um, there's there's probably eight, eighteen, maybe, maybe twenty down there right now. Okay, pretty normal for you this time of year. Yeah, the, we have, uh, I think there's 32 kennels. Um, it'll start to, uh, now that we're work, back working for the public, it will, uh, it'll fill back up. <clears throat> we won't go to the, to the capacity that we've had in the past. Um, we're going to kick back just a little bit and call it a semi-retirement job where we're going to start to work 40 hours a week rather than 80 hours a week. Good for you. You've earned and, it. Uh, yeah, we've got... Uh, We've we've got uh, a few young people that are showing some interest in, in doing it. Um, so yeah, we're gonna spend time with them and, and see if we can't pass it on to the to the next generation. I, somebody asked that actually. One of my friends, Ryan, he he was talking about how his daughter just loves animals. Do you ever take in like summer help? Yeah, constantly. That, constantly. So if somebody says, you know, I need a a summer job, or it'd, it'd be like an internship, really. Um, is that an opportunity here and Jordan yeah. is that an opportunity with you too yeah no that's an absolute opportunity um my my kids obviously grew up here um we've we've had a, a lot of the uh the summer help that's you know very close family friends they they would start when they're maybe 10 11 and then stay here till they would graduate high school they still come back take care of kennels when we go on vacation and do this that um my grandkids are now working here uh one or two days a week, I think Thursdays and Fridays, or maybe just Thursdays, but they're both here, learn, learning the ropes. And I, uh, Ben, don't leave yet. Come back. Sorry to cut you off, but maybe, I need Ben uh, over here. You know, they're five and seven. He didn't listen. He just left. <laughs> I was going to ask him a question. All right. Um, Sorry. Sorry. So yeah, there's there's opportunity. We um. There's a you know there's one the one on one training the lessons by the hour uh, the the mentor program can be up to up to three months, um, we do it by the day by the by the week by the month, so yeah there's there's tons of opportunity to learn. Very cool. Uh, Hay Creek Kennels or Kennel, which one would you go with online? What's what do people search? Hay Creek Kennel. 
Hay Creek Kennel. Okay. You just, you're not sure. Where is your wife when we need her? <laughs> what would I do without her? I know. What would we all do? She's down there taking care of the kennel. I know. Bless her. George, I it's asked a question kennels, on the last episode that we didn't answer. What, and this is why I want Ben here. Ben, get over here. He's putting his jacket on. All right. So we're going to open up this conversation to the rest of the group here. But uh, before we do, George, I asked you this, or maybe I asked Sonny, I don't know, but we got sidetracked like we typically do. What op- what are some more of these opportunities that or these seminars that we experienced today? You said this was a, a trial to see if, if we were teachable, and you had some amazing students, I must say, because uh, we did learn a few things. So this is going to be something you're going to offer again. You're here in Wisconsin. You're in Connecticut, Jordan. You're George in Western Minnesota. Where where do you think you're going to go with this? Uh, the, the the next event will probably be the Minneapolis metro area. That we have the dates for that. Um, second date will probably be out at Jordan's on the East Coast. Okay. We're going to follow up with uh, I believe a Sioux Falls event, and then if we're uh, if we're still thriving. Uh, we hope to take it, um, God willing, and, and birds provided to the prairie here late summer, early fall. Cool. So Ben, the reason I was giving you a hard time before, um, do you know what the date, I think you mentioned the date for Minneapolis metro area. Yep. So J- July 29th is a Saturday. Okay. It will be the next date for the method. Okay. Probably tentatively looking around the Waconia area, so West Metro. Our hometown. Yep. Yeah. Voice of Ben Bredigan that you're listening to there. Jordan Wells, welcome back to the show. I don't think we've had you on episode number two yet. How are you feeling today? You look good. I'm doing good. Yeah, feeling good. All right, let's do this. Um, open questions. I feel like we've had hundreds today, so who wants to start with maybe an observation, something you've learned today something you've come in with say your name when you grab this and okay hold on ben oh yeah yeah grab a microphone and talk into it ben if you want people to uh, hear you so if you're if you're interested in learning more if you want to come see a seminar you just want to learn more talk to one of these guys um go to the method dog training.com that's the method dog training.com um you can see the seminar dates you can sign right sign up right on the website there um, or talk to George, Jordan, or Sonny and, and get more information cool. for those dates. Cool. Love it. You Like I said, oh, and I think I mentioned this too, but um, Chris, who, who left already, Chris and his wife, I, I, this whole day, I was thinking, oh, I wish my wife were here. Ryan, you're nodding right now over there because I'm spending all this time with trying to understand my dog and teacher and she's listening to me but if she saw the dog whisperers working magic out there her jaw would have been hanging on the ground too and then therefore would have totally understood whatever everything that we're working on together so if somebody wants to go to a seminar like this don't just come by yourself if you can bring Bring your wife, bring your kids. That They're part of the family, too. And if this is a family dog of yours, it makes sense that you could work together and learn together, right? Yeah. Uh, Shannon Peeker says this, like, all the time. This, the method and the relationship is so family-oriented, 
it it it's not just a it, it, this is all about the human us and then to the dog that this can translate through your entire family it, it's so i got goosebumps right now it's just so cool that yes bring your significant other because it's going to transform into the whole family needs to understand mm-hmm. what we want to get out of the dog yeah and that's and that and the ultimate goal i don't it doesn't matter what you do you want a great citizen you want a dog that you want to hang out with mm-hmm. that you that your friends want to hang out with and when you get to that level it's so cool well and and then how many times my wife says it all the time like when you leave things just fall apart and I, <laughs> oh. I've heard Jordan say it. I've heard Sonny you're, say you're it. You're hung. Well, no, with... <laughs> dun, dun, dun. No, with the dogs, right? Like, when I leave with the dog and the dogs are at home, it like, life just falls apart. Like, the dogs... Yeah, well, they're they, looking to you they're for looking leadership. for leadership. Yeah. They, so, yeah, like, to, to bring your significant other, your wife, whatever, like, and get... Again, like, and we'll get into this, but like, just like keep some semblance of normalcy around the house when I'm traveling or when you're traveling. It's huge. And and I'll I'll add with the method. It's broken down so small that it's not so overwhelming. That makes sense on that. Comment? Makes absolute sense. Yeah. And then you know to add to what George was talking about with with Shannon, and my wife. Who, by um, the way, just walked in. The queen is back in the building. We've been talking about you for quite a while now and all that you've done to hold this place together. So I hope that you'll bring some feedback about your husband into the show. She, uh, you know, she worked away from the kennel for the first 20 years that it was up and running. Um, <clears throat> and, that, you know, to back to George's comment, it was, it was really what it did for her not knowing a ton about the dogs because she worked out on just what it did for raising kids what it did for a family. Um, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Shannon, you want to speak to that as long as we're... Come on in. Shannon Peekers, everybody. Shannon, Shannon Peekers. Thank you so much. So so what was the initial comment? Any dirt you might have on George Lyle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just experiencing this with, with Sonny and... Uh, Sonny, I mean, what did you just... George George came in while you were out feeding our dogs to uh, express the the family atmosphere and uh, people that are welcome and and how important it is to bring the family. Mm-hmm. And then we got on uh, you not training dogs uh, working out, and then you you would bring to the table or, or to speak as far as what it did for you not training dogs, but what it did just for your kids and your family life. Sure. So yes, so I say initially when I would participate um, very minimally in the Hunt Smith seminars that were that we would um, host here, the biggest byproduct that I got out of it was being consistent and keeping my emotions in check with any discipline that I had to do with my kids. It made me a way better mother. Hmm. Uh, kept me off of the roller coaster. Kept me having um, realistic expectations of my kids. And then just being able to reinforce what it is that I asked them to do in the event that they didn't do it. Now, I can't say that that transferred to the kennel. 
Uh, my The kennel for me was always uh, an outlet, a way for me to let my hair down. So when I got home from work, uh, 4.30, I would come out to the kennel and I would participate in feeding. So I usually caused chaos. The dogs associated me associated me with food, so things would start to erode. I would not hold them accountable. So when we would come in as a family, my six-year-old, 10-year-old would be spick and span clean, and I would have dog prints all over me. So, you know, through that process of not holding them accountable, the dogs took complete advantage of me. We would go to church, and two little kids could be out there in their Sunday best, and she would have to wear coveralls because the dogs had absolutely no respect for her whatsoever. How has that evolved for you then? They, <laughs> it has evolved. I still don't have the, the respect that I would like, but I know it is because I want to snuggle and kiss and slobber. <laughs> yeah, I think we all do. And yes. so when I do, it erodes. Sonny, how do you snuggle and kiss a puppy then and not let that dog think that this is how life is... Because that's part of having a dog, the puppy stage, right? I mean, you do it in a way that doesn't give that dog a false sense of, what did you call it? Responsibility. Yeah. I, I do a bunch of it. You just don't let anybody ever see it. <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, it's on my terms. <clears throat> so when, when I handle a puppy or hold a puppy or interact with a puppy, um, it's got purpose. So when they kick, they squirm, they want to get down, uh, you know, we just tighten up tighten that grip up and they they surrender not because they're intimidated not because they're they're dominated they they give into that just that physical touch they embrace it and i don't think we got into physical touch in the last episode but do you want to quickly if it's that's a whole nother conversation so maybe not quickly but explain what physical touch is and then i'm sorry matt we we then we need to get to these questions yeah the, the physical touch for me um and I, I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, my hands can be hard and my hands can be soft. Um, and that at some point in time, there's going to be a, a physical correction at, with whatever it might be. So if my hands are hard, they need to understand that. But just that quick, my hands can be soft. And the, the goal would be if you're touching them properly through physical touches, they will just embrace the fact that you're going to touch them. Embrace the fact that you're going to be with them. And there is no intimidation. And there is no resentment. Calming touch helps that dog in ways that will help it for the rest of its life. And that begins day one when you bring it home, right? Yeah, times 10. Like that, mm -hmm. that calming touch will put their mind on steroids again to learn. That, that touch is, no, is it's part of the course. Jordan, you want to add anything to the calming touch? Yeah, I think it uh, goes back to what you've been talking about, family. And it's you see dogs react negatively just putting your hands on them they like lose all their boundaries everything falls apart when you just touch the dog so i think education about you know teaching the kids teaching the family teaching the husband the wife all to communicate the same the dog benefits in the end so that that touch can be a huge positive thing and it can be a huge negative thing um so it's it's something to really pay attention to as a puppy gotcha all right let's have uh Question, I think Matt had the first one here. Matt Hennon, welcome to the Flush Podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure today. I want to thank you guys again. Um, yeah, so um, I guess in the last, uh, the first episode of the, the, the podcast, you guys had talked about 
Um, we haven't left for people listening. We didn't go home and come back a week later. We are just sitting here, but it just got long, so we're calling it yes, last week. Yes. Yeah. So, anyways, um, you, you began with the fir- the first thing we really that you demonstrated. Jordan uh, sat at the pickup truck on the um, on the tailgate, and how we're going to take our dogs out. Um, and I guess I should back this up. I'm a first time dog owner, so for anybody listening. Um, don't be afraid to to come in. I mean, they were they worked with me great. Um, and so what I'd like to say is is uh, I have a what twelve week old poodle pointer, and I mean, I thought I knew some things, and I really didn't. And I guess my question is is what did you see after that? Um, you had did that demonstration, then you asked us all to go and get our dogs out of the crate. What did you see me doing wrong? What did you see maybe from the the surrounding group? Um, I think that would help. I, I know that was the, the first biggest thing that I that I did to help me, and I'm sure it'll help your listeners. In Sonny's words, none of our dogs, none of our dogs were ready to learn after we took them out based on what they were doing. So, yeah, so what did you see? Yeah, what, what did I do wrong? So I think... Speed, you know, people rush. We talk about that. We need to slow down. We need to really pay attention to the way that we're reaching out and touching the dog with the lead. Um, we kind of, we kind of get frustrated. We kind of speed up, and then all of a sudden, everything starts crumbling. So I think everybody should just slow down and really just. You don't need to go for a walk for a hundred yards. You can do a lot in a 10, 10 foot area. So slowing down is the biggest thing for everyone. I'll, I'll jump in here. So the seminar started at the tailgate of four vehicles that we had down by the kennel. And the area was probably, I don't know, 30 yards by 30 yards at best. And we were all, all 12 of us, 14 of us were down there. And we did everything in that area, right? We didn't have to go out like Jordan's... It, it didn't take, we didn't walk away a hundred yards. It, it all happened right there. Um, so Matt, your question was, what did you, what did you do wrong? What did you, what could you have done better or something like that? Is that correct? What did you see? What we saw, I'm going to go to Sonny and go, this is me bailing out, right? <laughs> All right. Wow, George. All right, I won't bail out. What mm-hmm. I saw was what I saw was everyone in the group paying as much attention to the detail as either the puppy, which was 12 Matt's pup's 12 weeks old, and then we had a 6-year-old dog. I saw everyone engaged. We had I saw all everyone dogs in focused. Between, yeah. I was focused. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't th- when you went to when when you went to handle your own dog, you you saw you, you saw the example being done, and not only you, but I think everyone in the group followed through on what Jordan walked everyone through, which is is cool. We we're all we we're all hooked up. Sonny, gonna add to that? Yeah. What was the question? No. What did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was nothing that you did wrong. There was absolutely nothing that you did wrong. Um, the observation was 
you had a you you've got a puppy that's high end. Um, at the Alan Dunbar talk was starting with the end in mind. You're in over your head with that puppy. You're a first time dog owner, and that puppy is high end. Like he's big and he's bad, and he's letting everybody know it. And you said, "I want that dog." And I said, "I want that dog." <laughs> that, that's my kind of dog. And 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 as we learn, I mean. I think that we probably all are trying to get there. It's wanting to control something that's out of control. I mean, that that's where the buzz is. That's where the rub and the fun is. But there's nothing that you're doing wrong. You're here, and you were willing to lay it out there, and it's all good. Yeah, I think we were all in the place of we're here to learn. Nobody's feelings are going to get hurt. Some dogs are more, you know, focused on birds. Some are, you know, everyone is at a different place, but... If you could just call it what it is and say, here's what your dog is doing, don't take it personally, right? I mean, that's what you did for everybody today, and it allowed everybody to just be like, okay, we're all going to watch this unfold. It can't be a personal thing. The dog, the dog does not take it personally. They don't care. I think that initial engagement of us all together and, and Jordan working this pup, and just we were all engaged in looking at it. I think everyone just came down. Like we all, Jordan, he gave everyone a calm. And so when when we were calm and engaged and in, in li- listening to what you had to say, I don't know about you all, but I kind of went, oh, okay, I want to hear what Jordan has to say. And I want to see what that puppy has to say, right? It, it, did everyone get... Relaxed, Kevin. Everyone was relaxed all the way through it. Jordan had that dog calm down in maybe five, six minutes, and that was all it took. It was it was a great pleasure to watch. How long have Kevin Rosine? Um, how long have you had dogs, and what what do you have right now for a dog? I've got a um, is he eight months old, Ryan? Yeah, eight-month-old English pointer, male. And it's the first dog I've had in 42 years. I uh, was never, wasn't able to have a dog at home. My wife was allergic to him. And since she passed away 19 months ago, my son talked me into getting a dog, and uh, it's helped a lot. Well, I'm really glad that you're here today, Kevin. Um, you know, you were, <laughs> this is, telling some stories here, but you were my t-ball coach, you know, and <laughs> Ryan and I grew up together, and Hold on. Can I've I learned stop? a lot about life from you, but I also know how damn stubborn you are, too, at the same time, so watching these guys, I was watching you, I was watching you, Kevin, and watching the light switch turn on was pretty darn cool, Ryan and I have talked about this throughout the day, because uh, seeing something, you don't have to add words to it. You get to see the dog do things, and that's that's really amazing. Um, what do you what are you going to do now that you've spent all this time with Rip that you're excited about? I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on it. This this is fun. I mean this this is probably the most he's been under control since I got him last November. I mean he. He responded well. The trainers helped me a lot today. Yeah. And it was just basically getting, getting me to calm, getting my energy level 
and my anxiety level down my, on my, my on my own for me. You think that Rip picked up on that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, he picked up on it. Yeah, Sonny, did you, you spent a lot of time? Jordan, you spent a lot of time with Kevin today too. What did you observe as he brought brought Rip out the first time until where he is now? So. You know, when somebody brings a dog out, the dog tells the whole story. And you could see, you know, the connection wasn't there between the dog and the person. So, you know, he's he's over there cueing the dog, cueing the dog, but there was no value to that touch anymore. So I took the dog away and I just kind of left him and the dog showed his capabilities in seconds, minutes. It's, you know, he started to focus and it was just the way that I was acting and communicating around him. But getting him to slow down around, getting him to really just pay attention to movement and body language, um, you know, that's that's where people struggle is how to act and just hang out around the dog. They get in a rush and they get frustrated. There's a bunch of these cues starting to happen. So I think some confidence is just seeing what his dog's capable of and then putting that dog back into the hands and then trying to get the, the owner or the handler to reference that same mindset in their dog. Um, and that's like Sonny's been saying, that's the reward in all this is to see that dog walk away from me and then just heal off or go with the owner, mm-hmm. you know, getting that mindset to work for them. Sonny, anything to add to your experience working with Kevin and Rip? You know, the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is the, the Alan Dunbar words of, and I won't have them, but this morning when he talked about that horse can't learn when he's resisting, it's impossible. So get rid of the resistance, and they'll learn. Um, all that was going on there was a bunch of resistance, and it's it's just not that big of a deal. It's just a simple little thing with resisting. Get rid of the resistance, mm-hmm. and now the relationship is is game on. It it starts. Yeah, it's like you said, it's fun. Like you're excited, Kevin. Yeah, it's fun. Before you got here today, what are some of the challenges you've had with with your dog? One of the biggest challenges with Rip is overexcitement and getting overstimulated when he's around other dogs and stuff and having to check him up if I, you know, and I think that was part of the problem I had with him. Another train, by the way. Another train. Another train. Not coming through the building. It might sound like it on your radio, but it's about 250 yards away. Anyway, keep going, Kevin. And my son has his litter mate, and those two dogs, when they get together, socializing, they were always, always roughhousing and not paying attention. And what were you doing? We were trying to control them, and it didn't work. Ryan, do you want to jump into this conversation? <laughs> Feels like the right spot to add you here. Yeah, thanks. Um, first off, thank, thanks to you guys for hosting this and uh, for everybody out there listening. Um, if you get a chance to see these people work with dogs, it kind of puts your mind in a whole new perspective. Um, well, it's garage door, got to wait for it. Um, but no, it puts your mind in a whole new, whole new mindset. Uh, you're able to see Jordan. I just want to commend you and, and Sonny, you as well. But Jordan's a—it's it, kind of like uh, speak softly but carry a big stick, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like he's a soft-spoken guy, but the way the dogs respect him and pay attention to him, and that's the thing I wanted to kind of bring up is—is is at one point today when we were working with my dog Buster, my dad's litter mate. Um, he kind of caught me paying too much attention to my dog and the end result we're looking for, start with the end in mind, right? Is I want my dog paying attention to me. And that's something that we battle with, with Rip and Buster when we get them together. I mean, he's my dad. I want him to bring his dog over when he comes to visit, things like that. But we want the dogs to 
be something that's tolerable, at least in the household, which they're not right now. And I'm hoping in pretty short order that they are because that's a big part of having a dog in the house. But um, getting them to stop looking for that pecking order um, and start paying attention to us without the yelling. And that's one thing I wanted you guys to kind of expand on more is um, keeping your emotions in check. Like what, do you have tools that you use to do that? Is that just how you're wired? How can your listeners and myself and my dad here kind of figure out how to keep your emotions in check when you're trying to get your dog to pay attention to you? Sonny, you want to take this one? Go ahead, Jordan. I'll follow you. I lost my train of thought. So I think, I think it's, it's all about training yourself before you train your dog. So you got to, you got to get into that mindset. You got to have self-discipline. You got to learn to control yourself. Um, if you can't get there, there's no business being around the dog. So if you're having a bad day, you're emotional, um, you know, you're stressed out, don't go to the dog because it's just going to show up in your training. Um, so you got to have a clear mind when you go to that dog. You got to have stability when you're around them. Um, but I think by nature, I mean, you guys have seen them pretty laid back, pretty quiet, just, you know, I get along with dogs. It's just something that's more natural. Um, and, you know, it, it may be easier for me than somebody that's high strung or, you know, can't relax well or can't sit still well, but it's just more or less learning to get to that mindset yourself, um, training yourself to get there. Are you this calm and cool with your kids too? I am. Are you? Yeah, I'm pretty laid back. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, he, he walks, like you said, quietly with a really big stick. <laughs> <laughs> I scream loud with a bigger stick. <laughs> so that all has to be kept in check. So when I, I, when I make it to the kennel in the morning, that stuff is, is put on the back burner. I have to focus. If I can't focus, I'm going to go backwards. And the only way to learn how to focus is to go backwards a few times and realize that for us, it costs us money when we make mistakes. But you mentioned right off the bat, you cannot be afraid to make a mistake. You cannot be afraid to make a mistake. And if you ever... I think, if, I think a lot of dog owners are. They don't want to break their dog. They don't want to ruin their dog, it's, so it's they're the afraid. Absolute, in, in my time, it is, the, it is the number one thing that the clientele, that, that, that's their problem. They do nothing because they're afraid to do something wrong. There is nothing to be afraid of. If you don't get angry, there is nothing that you can hurt. Hmm. But anger will do damage. And we've all been there. Absolutely. I love my dog. And like you, I always want to make sure that she has what she needs to stay healthy year-round and perform at her best in the field. That's why I feed Daisy Nutrisource high-performance dog food. Nutrisource dog food comes with their good-for-life system that includes four key ingredients that work together to support gut health, heart health, and the overall well-being of our dogs. I have complete confidence that my dog has all of the nutrition to excel in the field and make it through a rigorous hunting season. I've seen it firsthand, and she loves her food. Take it from me and my dog, Daisy. Nutrisource high-performance dog food can help your dog reach their full potential, Find the food that's right for your dog at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. If you're an outdoor lover on the go, then odds are good that you have toys and equipment that you want to haul. Aluma Trailers, well, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa. They have models for nearly any and every hauling need, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say that Aluma trailers tow like a dream. Their trailers are constructed out of lightweight, strong, corrosion-resistant aluminum 
and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumaklm.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. Now is a great time to make the most of all that tasty meat you harvested. Maybe it's time to try a new recipe, sprinkle on a new seasoning, or make your own jerky and sausage. Trust me, it's not that hard to do, and it can be fun for the whole family. It doesn't matter what you harvested or what you want to prepare with it. Walton's has you covered. Walton's has everything but the meat. That's their motto. Walton's.com has everything, and I mean everything you need to process and prepare your meat. Plus, they have an online community called Meatgistics that's full of recipes and meat processing information. The sky's the limit, my friends. You don't have to be a pro to cook like one. Head to Walton's.com today and enjoy meat processing season. Thankfully, it's a season that never ends. Ryan, uh, young pointer, what are your what are your struggles coming into today outside of the litter mates getting buck wild when they are playing together? Yeah, no, uh, I would say my biggest struggles are, you know, not a first time dog owner, first time hunting dog owner, you know, and and you made the reference when I was considering getting a hunting dog, like, are you sure you want to start with a Ferrari, bud? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you know what? Jumped into it because the opportunity was there, and uh, happy I did. Just my my thing that I wanted to get out of this is to be around other people, like the masters of the business, if you will. You know, the people who know what that end result can look like, and and help guide me down the path to get him there. And you know, we're still in foundational stages. I still got a lot of work to do for sure. But today was just awesome. Just seeing him come out of the truck, go through that obstacle course fail, being able for me to learn what the difference is between him quitting and him failing. And one is a far better result than the other. And just working through that, um, and it's, it's gonna be applicable for everything that he learns from here forward. And, and that's what I'm excited about. And then the other thing is too, you know, just the struggles we have, like you mentioned, having his litter mate over, um, that's tough, but also being able to just see it from, from y'all here be able to take it home to my family so that I can try to instill some of that into my wife, my, my three daughters, you know, so that they have an understanding of what that pecking order is um, so that my dog will behave for them too and not run away for like the 15th time, <laughs> <laughs> which is not fun trying to chase down a pointer. But it, it doesn't work. You just got to wait. You got, you got a lot of drive there. So what do you do with that drive, Sonny, when you got a dog that wants to get out there and that's something that you would say, I want that dog. Harness it. Keep them alive until you can get your foundation <laughs> built. <laughs> trying my best right now. Trying my best. <laughs> George, any observations about working with Ryan and his pointer or Kevin? Uh, my observation is, uh, well, first, excellent job, you guys. No lie. I mean, you started off like, and we all start off this way, no matter what it is, not only today, but anything in life if you're just starting out, there's this apprehension, right? But try. And what we learned today was let's ask our dogs to try. Dude, I'm in as, you're, as long as you're in. I'll try as long as you try, as Sonny Picars would say and Jordan would say. And, I, and I'm right in there with you. And that's what you guys did today. It was, it was not just you two, but your father and son. And so we're just talking about your guys' dogs and you. You both stayed hooked up for all day. We were here for I don't know seven hours. Um, so I can't, I can't do math it, at this it point. It takes it. 
it takes what it takes, and you guys stuck in there, and the entire group stayed in there. And I think the reason not the reason why you guys stayed hooked up, one, I think you believed in in the method because you saw it in the first ten minutes. So I'm getting head nods, and and I got two yeses. And then to take it a step farther, the rest of the group feeding off of what we all see happening is like, wow, Ryan's hooked up. Kevin's hooked up. Well, damn well, George Lyle better be hooked up. <laughs> I mean, I want to help them. So it just it, it perpetuates, right? It does go on and on and on. Um, so did I answer the question? I, I, you guys did a great job. Everyone in the room did a great job. It, it, was, it was truly pretty darn cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, um, observations today or expectations when you came here um, in what you experienced? Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you all for the opportunity to be a part of this. Um, this was a very eye-opening experience. Um, it's kind of mind-blowing to be, to be exact. Uh, the opportunity to work with relaxed dogs by getting inside their head, um, you get so much more work done. Um, and that, that was unbelievable. Everybody had a hold of their dog. Uh, great thing to see. Um, my question to you guys would be, on a typical workout, and I, I talked to you guys earlier today about this, what are you looking for when you're working with this dog um, as far as a workout? Where, is there a, how many minutes? Or is, is it a key off of the dog? What are you looking for to end that session and move on to the next dog? Or just put your dog up, give it a break, and come back to it. What are some of the key things you're looking for? Softness, uh, peace, calm face, soft eyes, Soft muscle tone, slow head movement, um, big old deep breath. That this was a this was a really good experience for me. Um, from there, put them away and come back out and do it again. How many times do you do that? Because I mean, George and I, we always did like threes, sets of three when we would work through I'm, training. Scenarios. I've been programmed to do sets of threes and sevens. Yeah. But how many times that I'm doing that? It's based on my mental energy. If I run out of gas. I go mow the lawn, like it's 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 mental. It, if it's the mental energy, so when I'm when I'm spent because I've just invested into say a, a puppy like uh, George's daughters, that 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 will exhaust me because there's a lot of mental energy that has to go into that. I'll just get away. I'll I'll go do something else for a few minutes for an hour, and then I come back. So it's really based on what what we have for discipline structure, boundaries, and rules way more than what they have. They'll work all day if we can stay focused. Problem is, we can't stay that focused. Our phone will ring. I mean, stuff is, life is going to play into it. George? George? Yeah, I, Sonny actually, well, shouldn't say you actually got there, but you were going to say what I said. I mean, it's so hard for us to stay focused. And if you're not focused, the dog is going to focus for you. <laughs> it's going to Right? You know, or, this this might or might not be helpful, but my my days um, for me are to start early, very very structured, very very disciplined, and then I work as hard and as crisp and as clean as I can until I'm out of gas, and that usually will be you know 
seven, eight hours in, and then I'll, I'll take a little bit of a break, and then I come back to my dogs that don't need as much energy, something that might be farther along or something that doesn't, that doesn't demand as much out of me. But my harder dogs are the dog that I will focus on instantly when I have that, that discipline and that structure and that ability to give them what it is they need. With, with hundreds and hundreds of dogs that you've trained over the years, is it still as rewarding when you see a dog comes in, you know, trying to rip the, the leash off of their owner's hands, running, jumping, barking, and leaving just this calm, civilized part yeah, of society? Absolutely. 100%. Hey, before we, before we get off what Sonny was saying, you got to stay focused, right? So... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take a guess that everyone in this room and a heck of a lot of our listeners and myself included, you have other daily duties. Yeah. So being focused for five minutes, just set aside, get a routine going, right, Sonny? Get a routine going in your home that you're going you're gonna to follow through on and schedule that into no other Nothing different than you would schedule something else in your life. That dog needs that, right, Jordan? I mean, yeah, I think, you know, that's the number one question is when a client calls, how much time do you spend training? Well, you know, it's a 24-7 thing that I tell people it's, you know, if I'm not with the dog, they're getting some type of structure and boundaries in the kennel. They're getting downtime. You know, if I'm out working and they're on the chain, they're getting some type of training. You know, they're out socializing, they're getting training. So your dog, you know, minutes wise, if you have to do a session and it's highly mentally stimulating, you're looking for that small amount of success towards the goal that you're working for and then get out of there. That small success will come back with even more work ethic and then it'll turn into bigger successes. So don't get caught up in the reps, don't get caught up in the minutes. It may happen the first time you try to do it. And then just put that dog up and then come back and try it again. It may even be later on or tomorrow. And that dog is going to come right back to that mental picture and say, this was successful. And then they're going to try again for you. Something that you mentioned was after a successful training mission, whatever it is that you're working on, put the dog either on the chain or back in the crate and just let them have a little bit of time for themselves. They want to think about it. Don't just go right into throwing a ball and running around with the kids. Just give them Put them up for just a little bit. What are you right. achieving there? So you're just separating yourself from them. So if you're around your dog, you got to be a leader. You got to be kind of in a certain mindset. So you taking that mental break and that dog taking that mental break, that's that's allowing both of you to kind of get back to, you know, the spot that you need to. So it's not mean or it's not cruel to put your dog in the crate and take a break from them. You know, that's taking a break from that leadership. So it's best when you work with them, you imprinted something or shape something, and then put them up in the crate or the kennel and just kind of take a break from them. Just a reminder, too, for people that if they have a house dog, that it's okay to put that house dog into a crate inside the house for maybe it's 15 minutes, maybe it's a half hour, maybe it's an hour. I mean, is there a set amount of time that you like to wait? No, it's just more if you're giving that dog the proper physical, mental stimulation you know, they could be in there for a couple hours. Um, you know, I think taking a dog from some type of confinement and then going doing your lesson or your session, you're starting with a much more 
kind of focused mindset. You know, if your dog's ripping around the backyard with your kids and you're like, hey, catch them, I'm going to go do a training session, you're taking a very highly stimulated mindset and trying to get it to focus. So you may put your dog up in the kennel before your training session and then go back to them, mm-hmm. pull them out, and then go do what you want to do, then finish and put them back into the kennel. So as long as you're, they're mentally stimulated, they should be able to shut off. They should be able to calm down. Chain gang works the same way? Right. Yep. Yeah, putting them to the chain and just separating them, it's just, it's just a form of confinement. They should, they should turn off and chill out. Question. Uh, first, name and then your dog that you brought today. All right. Well, my name is Brittany. I would just like to say, kind of like everyone else said, thank you guys for, you know, having this, allowing us to be here, and even just this opportunity to just learn and listen to everything you had to say is just honestly mind-blowing. Um, today I brought with me, um, I have a year-and-a-half lab, um, and I have another lab puppy at home, and, I, and you guys were kind of talking about and kind of answering my question. Um, but one of the things is that, that I have the biggest question on is, um, and I've my whole life lived with multiple dogs in the house, in my family's house, and now I have, you know, I have my year and a half lab, and now I have a puppy, and I and my dogs have not come from, you know, a big bird hunting um, background. So now they spend, they're more pets than they are um, any sort of, hunting machine, I would say. So what kind of advice do you have, you know, going forward? And, you know, how can I maintain that, that number one spot in that pecking order, you know, having that respect from them and kind of keeping that in order from just dogs who are, you know, they're inside my house with me and with my family, you know, all day long, kind of how can I keep that respect there and being, you know, that top, you know, obviously there's times where you let down your guard or, you know, you're unfocused, but I guess what can we do better, you know, coming from people who just have household pets, you know, what can we do better to maintain that level of respect all the time? Jordan, you want to take that? Yeah. So that's, I mean, 99 to hundred percent of clients is they're living with their dogs full time. Um, but you know, laying down or laying out boundaries, you know, spatial boundaries, um, you know, boundaries in the crate, boundaries around the house, that's going to be your biggest thing to help maintain some, some boundaries and structure. Um, as far as kind of living with the family, if everybody gets on the same page, you know, no on the couch or yes on the couch or no bolting through the door. Yes, we're all going to allow them. So if everybody's on the same page, um, things just, I call it order, but things just start to kind of be consistent for the dog. So if you have one dog or you have two dogs or multiple dogs, you know, keeping order at home becomes kind of a job in the house. So boundaries is really what to pay attention to at home. And they're not the end all. <clears throat> so, you know, with, with that being said, they don't have to be with us every, every waking moment. It's totally okay for them to be in a crate, to be confined. And that is a moment for us to get away from them and for them to be away from us. Um, whatever it is they're doing is what they're learning. We're the ones doing the teaching, especially for the puppies. They need to learn boundaries early on so that will carry them for the rest of their life, being a good, you know, a family member, a good citizen, good pack member, whatever it might be. Yeah. Katie, you um, are laughing over there. I do want to tell people that can't see right now that there's more mosquitoes in this garage that we're in than I have seen 
you know, in I don't even know how long. Like, we are all jumping up and down trying to keep them up. But anyway, um, Katie, you have been to seminars around the country, right? Uh, what, what do you, what brings you to different seminars and why are you at this one then today? A desperately rampant curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's, you know, I, um, well, my name's Katie Willis. Uh, I, I live to hunt. Like it's, it's just what I love to do. And, um, and I have learned so much from my dogs about just oddly enough, how the kind of human that I want to be, um, because they're just so beautiful and so pure and they just live in this, in the moment. And, and I want my dogs to be the best that they can. And so, yeah, I've been, I think this is my, I mean, I've done online classes. I've, this is, I think my fourth or fifth clinic that I've been to. Um, I've, been super fortunate to have great mentors in my bird hunting career and have been able to work one-on-one with four different professional trainers. Um, And so I'm just constantly trying to up my own game because I want to bring the best out of my dog. I really want them to perform um, to the highest level. And I was super fortunate this last year to get to hunt a ton. And I got to hunt over probably a hundred different bird dogs, like all breeds. And what I came away with at the end of the season is that they're all really good dogs. Like, you know, like flushers, pointers, setters, you know, German dogs, English dogs, whatever. And so, um, it's this idea that I have come up with that like hundreds of years and millions of man hours have gone in to create this creature that has this singular purpose. And we're fortunate enough to share with them. And, our job as the people who get to live with these beautiful creatures is to is to really figure out how to make them thrive. And what I came with away from this weekend is it's like, keep it simple, man. Like l- learn how to read the dog, learn how to be with the dog so that they can really be the, stop putting obstructions in the dog, in the way of the dog's ability to do its work, right? Like mm-hmm. we put these by not holding the, the power, by not being the leader in our relationships with our dogs, we make it harder for them to do exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And this was like amazing and absolutely like mind blowing to just watch this delicately subtle work to, to draw out from a dog the best that they have. Yeah. And if you have a hunting dog or just even a regular dog and that's not your goal, you should think about that, right? Like, yeah. because that's really what we should be here for, right? Because they give us so much, like, make sure that we're giving them back mm-hmm. what they need. Well, and you have high-end dogs too. I mean, really good dogs. So to, like, how old are your dogs? Um... The boat is two, and um, Prancy Clancy is 11 months. Um, And so they're really, you know, I mean, in both of those dogs, Gravy probably hunted 80 days this year, and Clancy was like 50. Okay. Um, So, you know, they, and they love to work, and they love to succeed, right? Like, we all love to succeed. Mm -hmm. And so what, like... I think this is what I think is so beautiful about this process and what you guys are building here is that 
I want to, I don't want to send my dog away. I want to be the one, like, yeah, I could send my dog to Sunny and come back with an amazing dog, but I want to be the mm -hmm. one that's there for that. And to be able to come to a clinic like this and then be able to have access to the online platform later and like continue to like cruise forward with that dog so that like we had the best season this year and I need next season to make this season look like the second best season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. So what do you like? I guess I don't have the experience or it's hard to compare, you know, different clinics that you you've gone to, but like, was your dog like, what are you doing here? What are we doing right now? What are you doing to me in comparison to previous uh, training styles that you guys have worked through together? I mean, it was definitely slower, which I think is better, right? Like, the we get way too wound up about stuff. And, like, the KISS principle, man, keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. It's really, like, that is where we should be. And we should be, I'm just going to say we should be like that way in all of our lives. But yeah. um, just to keep it really clean. And, you know, back in the day, in my 20s, I was a river guide. And um, we always used to talk about how the trip ends the way the What river? Well, there were a few. <laughs> <laughs> but I was mostly out in Oregon. Um, so, like, the salmon, the Oahe, the rogue. But, like, so yes. Big-ass big rivers, and we did, like, four or five-day trips, right? Yeah. And take a bunch of people that don't know a damn thing about a damn thing and get them down the river. It was a good time. <laughs> but I digress, as per usual. Um, but there was this saying that we went by, which is, the trip ends the way the trip begins. So if you got to the boat ramp and you were late, and you didn't have the boats pumped up, and you didn't have the the bags ready and the life jackets out and you weren't ready to re to greet your customers and they got there, those guests got there and you were running around like, you know, your pants were on fire. The entire trip would be that way. The absolute entire trip would be that way where you just always felt like you were behind. Like we're late off the beach. We're like late to get to lunch. And and so when I was sitting there looking at all this and listening to this process and especially the stuff where it's like, yeah, it's kind of boring to like stand at the back of the truck. Like everybody wants bird dogs, wants to get on birds, right? Birds, like it's birds, just, birds, 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 more birds. But your hunt ends the way your day began. And that's all I could think about is I was just like, yeah, that's what it is, right? Is like you absolutely 100% have to control the narrative from the second that you put your dog in the box when you leave your house to when you get to the, you know, your parking spot, whatever. Mm -hmm. And like the dog is calm, the dog is ready to go. And we've all seen those dogs that like they show up at the, they show up at the, you know, at the spot and they've been like yiping and panting and like being crazy in the box and then you go out and you're 45 minutes into the hunt and that son of a bitch is gassed, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's all of that where it's like, it's really getting down. And I just, I was standing back there and looking at this and I was like, man, this is it, right? Like, mm -hmm. this is it. Your trip ends the way it began. You've got to get that, like, that semblance of control early because if you can't control your dog on the tailgate... Well, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, George and I, we've laughed about this before because for Daisy, my dog, I always thought, you know, the first year, two years, I'm like, after 10 miles, then she'll, you know, 
she'll slow down and get in the game a little bit. You don't always have 10 miles depending on your hunt. You Did know? you go to Nebraska, baby? You got like 25 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, you made a comment that you used to run Gretchen out. Yeah, outside <laughs> on the way to the spot <laughs> to wear out some of that energy. Sonny, would that have helped me and Daisy years ago when, I, when we first started? You know, because after 10 miles, then she was in ready to hunt mode. But the first 10 miles, she was <laughs> ripping and roaring. No, that would have not helped you at all. No. <laughs> there was the nothing goal, that would The goal help is me. to take all that, that energy and channel it into what it is you want to do. Get it, get it all to focus. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Anybody else want to jump in? We are at an hour again already. It's flown by. I think we could do a couple more hours here. Um, Eric, do you want to add anything here? Chip, yeah, you want in? You're, you're lounging over there. All right, Eric. I'll add a couple things. I mean, uh, <clears throat> you know, you hang around Sunny for 15 years, you learn a few things. Um, I mean, uh, so they're they're. I mean, at the end of the day, with dog training, it's about the details. If you pay attention to the details, you'll see the results. And those are the small details, the details at the tailgate, uh, the details in the crate, the details on way, the way you hold your lead. And then um, whatever your dog is doing is what they're learning, the good and the bad. <clears throat> so you have to be, if you're with them, you have to be, teaching them how to do the good things, you know, and it's something you have to be aware of. Whatever they're doing is what they're learning. Um, and I guess probably one of the last things is that I know the answer to the question, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask uh, Sonny and Jordan, if you're with your friends and you've all got your dogs there, is there any benefit in working your friend's dog, a dog that you don't have history with? Um, good question. The more dogs you can get your hands on, the more you're going to learn. If you're just stuck on your one dog, you know, you're only going to understand, you know, the kind of that individual dog. So getting around dogs, just even watching them socialize, um, you know, putting your hands on other dogs, working other dogs, they're just going to teach you something more. So, you know, becoming a dog trainer, it's not just – you train one dog and you're successful and then you become a trainer. It's, it's getting around a bunch of dogs. Then you find out they're all the same and then they all speak the same language. Once you've seen one thing, this dog does the same thing in that. So get your hands on as many breeds and as many dogs as possible. Um, don't be like biased to you know my dog only and I'm not gonna touch or look at any other dogs. Cause you can learn a lot from the dogs. I don't remember who, who said it, but to add to that. Some philosopher probably. Yep. Every, everything that a dog is going to do, you can fit in the palm of your hand. It is not difficult. And they will all do the same exact things at, in some way, shape, or form mm -hmm. at some point in time in their life. Well, that's what's fun about coming to spend time with you guys is, like, George, I've always been amazed, you know, from day one. You can tell me what a dog is going to do before the dog does it. And then when the dog does it, I'm like, gosh, that's crazy. You're in that dog's mind, you know. That is, that is something so cool to see. I have found by being so immersed with people like you and spending this time with my dog that, you know, like, for example, my next door neighbor just has a little 10-week-old uh, lab puppy, and that puppy's got all this energy, and they're doing all the things that you would be like, 
do not do any of these. And I can't help but tell them, here's what's going to happen. And the, the husband is like, oh, you know, it'll be, yeah, it'll, it'll work itself out. And the wife's like, please help us. Because she sees this lady uh, right across the street, Daisy, minding her P's and Q's. And she's like, I want that. Can you make my dog do that? And I'm like, he's got he's to gotta buy in with you here too. And then she's like, come over, please. And, and she's just like wanting more information because I'm just like, it's in my brain now. I can't help but want to help them. And I'm amazed at how, you know, this is our, I'm trying to get there because I want a really good hunting dog. But ultimately I learn a lot about a dog's mindset from people like you. And it applies to every, uh, every single dog in this country, in this world. You know, Rick, uh, Eric being one of them, but then Jordan being another one, George, he, he taught us a long time ago, you are who you hang with. So you might just as well surround yourself with better dogs. <laughs> yeah. Discipline, structure, boundaries, and rules. Yeah. Isn't that a statement right yeah. there? You are who you hang with. You know? So if you... I mean, it's, it's that simple. I mean... Something that's up why I have there. so few friends. It's like they can't handle like the chaos. No. I don't know how to, where to go. With I don't know. This, no, but I've, it's, I've that, seen that's you a late great at night. point. You are you are who you hang with. So surround yourself with like-minded people, and you'll you'll get to your like-minded goals. You know, if you if you want to hang out with somebody that is yelling and shouting at their dogs and and there's chaos, well, that's fine. Point, point, I, I, the point being is that that stuff does not just work itself out. You've yeah. got to step up to the plate and be the leader. And people like Jordan, um, you know, it, it was a, uh, I mentored him. That's the bottom line. But in reality, what, it, what it's come full circle is he's mentored me. Um, I haven't been able to see Eric for a couple of years now due to the COVID. And, boy, he lined me right back out like he inspired me. He, he, he helped me along with everybody that's here. I think it's a good place to end this conversation right now. Chip, you're over there smiling. I'm, do you want, all right, well, well, last one here, Chip. Get in this conversation, buddy. Yeah, Chip is a long-time listener, short-time speaker. I think. <laughs> I he's a man of few words, but he's going to share a few of George's greatest uh, fails, right? Well, we could go there, but we could, yeah, uh, how I'd do like I follow to, George? Another podcast. I guess I got to start out with uh, going back probably, what, 12 years ago, meeting up with Sonny at, uh, at the uh, game fair. We met there, and we connected there by... Sounds like a dating interest, story right now. <laughs> yeah, same interest in having a, a good dog, a, yeah. a high-performance dog. And he said, well, we can, we can work with that. You got to start coming to seminars, get involved, and uh, introduce me to uh, Skinny. And from there, we've had a couple other dogs, and George, we got litter mates. It's been a been a great road, be part of uh, bike cars, Hay Creek Kennels, and uh, at the same time, I, today's uh, method, the light bulb went on. I'm starting to figure out, you know, what me and Sonny have been talking about, working with the dogs and uh, just seeing everybody else. Everybody's eyes opened up, including my own. That, I mean, I knew about it. And how many years have you been training it. dogs? Yeah, we've been working with it, but yeah. uh, 
It just, uh, it connected. I think George said it too. Connected today. We've been going through these methods, but kind of, I wouldn't say senseless, but putting it together. Mm -hmm. And I know I, I got to grow a lot more with my dogs. And I think it's going to, it's going to help immensely. Yeah. Jordan, I think you summed it up pretty well towards the end. This is a, it's just for you, a new generation of dog training, taking things that have worked for decades and decades, molding them into today's dogs and a new approach, but, but ultimately reading that dog, understanding their mind in a calm way, not forceful, peaceful, confident building. And that's what every dog here ended today with. That's pretty special. Um, we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much again, Sonny, for having us out here. This place is fantastic. Hay Creek Kennels. Um, people that are interested to learn more about this can go to themethoddogtraining.com. Join one of these seminars if you have the opportunity. I encourage you to bring your wife or your husband, your kids, if possible, to see it. You will have a dog that will be a wonderful part of your family, incredible hunter, and somebody you can be proud of. And I bet you, at some point, people are going to look at that and say, hey, look at that dog. Can you help me get my dog there? And before you know it, you're going to be mentoring somebody else too, because that's how this all works, and that's why we're here today. So we hope you've enjoyed this couple of episodes as much as we've enjoyed being here today to talk about it, to live it. It's, it's hard to talk about in words, so if, if it didn't click, you got to see it in person, and it will, and you'll be grateful for it. So we'll be back next week with another episode of The Flush Podcast. Thank you.